welcome. You've got mail. Welcome to another edition of TechStream. We are here for another frigid day in January 2022. Now, if you're listening to this in July on a beach somewhere with an umbrella in your drink, well, then let us know how the flying car is and let us know how everything in the future we get out of COVID. Uh, my name is Seth Everett. He is the CEO of the Palmer Group. He is also a professor in practice at the Newhouse School, my alma mater, the great Shelley Palmer. Shelley, welcome. Hope you're staying warm. Oh, I am warm. It's uh, wonderful here in the shadow of the Empire State Building, although it's pretty frigid outside, I'll tell you that. Holy it's moly. It's, it's the wintertime for sure, but there's no climate uh, change, Seth. Remember, no. we were told it's, it's a hoax. Uh, not. Anyway, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of PCs. You know, we started the podcast. The first podcast we did was, you know, PCs are great. Macs suck. Um, you debunked it, but I still believe it. Um, Microsoft is spending some of their hard earned cash. Uh, the windows 95 money, I think paid for this, uh, uh Microsoft bought Activision, uh, Activision. Yeah, it, it, and there was a couple of, of, of angles uh, on this, but I was curious to see, you know, it's about $70 billion. Yes. And you could buy uh, all the Major League Baseball teams with that kind of money. Yeah. And what I would want is I want Microsoft to buy all the Major League Baseball teams, <laughs> send them all to East Asia, and, uh, and, and, and be done with it. Um, the two questions that I have about this is, you know, you're a moderate gamer. I'm a moderate gamer. We like video games. We love tech. How does something like this impact me other than stock swaps? Why do I care if I play an Activision game? Why do I care? Does this mean I need to have Xbox over PS5? Does this mean PC gaming is going to increase? Does this have an impact on Twitch? What does the user care about this mega deal? That's a great question. You know, look, your Overwatch, your Call of Duty, your World of Warcraft, your Candy Crush. I don't think anything that you do in your day-to-day -day world is going to change. Not immediately anyway. But what should happen is as the world evolves into uh, the metaverse, whatever that means, as we become more dependent on and or immersed in the digital currencies and in-game currencies of the various games, as we become more PC game oriented versus console game oriented as the industry evolves from a two-dimensional environment where you're looking at 3d images on a two-dimensional screen like a gaming monitor as the world evolves uh where we put on haptic clothing haptic gloves where we tend to use uh, external devices to enhance our gameplay and ultimately as VR, AR, 
XR and MR, and for those of you who don't like initialisms, virtual reality, augmented reality, extended reality, mixed reality, as those things evolve, Microsoft is expert in all of them. Mm. So they have HoloLens and they have a very good track record of understanding virtual reality and augmented reality for training. It hasn't taken a on it hasn't really excited the game players very much we don't see a lot of people donning virtual reality headsets and playing games some people do but it's not the mainstream the mainstream games certainly most of esports if not all of esports at the highest levels are played on mechanical keyboards in gaming chairs in front of very high refresh rate monitors using very powerful pcs Windows PCs, the ones you believe that don't suck. Um, so Microsoft, who has been buying game studios for as long as anyone can remember, and while you may think of Microsoft as a business-to-business -to -business tool set because of the Windows operating system, Seth, Xbox has been a thing for as long as anyone can remember. We paid homage to our a dearly departed friend, John Madden, uh, a week or so ago. May he rest in peace. The, you know, Madden football, th that's console-based. That was, I mean, that that started as a console-based game and and uh, is enjoyed, you know, by console game players everywhere. You can play it on a PC. People do for sure. Um, Microsoft is in the middle of this. They've been in the middle of it. This is a really simple, I don't know that the DOJ is going to let it happen, but this is a really simple acquisition. The strategy is perfect. And also keep in mind our friend uh, at the Metaberg, that's coming fast and furious. So Mark Zuckerberg has bought the entire supply chain of engineers that know anything about virtual reality. They own Quest 2 which is the number one best-selling virtual reality headset this past Christmas season and still. So they've got a lot of hardware in virtual reality. They've got a lot of software creators. They don't have the game creators, but they have the software creators. Could we see a massive shift as Microsoft realizes that Windows PCs, while ubiquitous, are not really a growth business? People tend to replace their PCs when they have to. But new games come out all the time. And if you look at the financial reality of the video game industry, it's bigger than the music industry. It's bigger than the film industry. There really isn't any entertainment industry larger than gaming. So Microsoft, and everyone says they're overpaying. I don't think they are. They're a decacorns, not unicorns inside the Activision world. Oh, and by the way, there's an awful lot of finger pointing about how poorly run Activision is. And I don't want to get into that, but yeah, no, I've read that too. Activision Blizzard is not considered the most favorite place in the world to work. And while Microsoft is more of a country than a company because of its size, you don't really hear so many bad things about Microsoft other than that it's boring to work there. They pay well. The conditions for working are wonderful. The people there, I, I've never met a Microsoft employee coming out of Microsoft complaining about their experience there. Quite conversely, I've only ever heard friends come I, out of Microsoft. Great, I lived in Seattle and they were great experiences. Singing the praises of what yeah. goes on. The only annoyance was when uh, when the Sonics, when the Supersonics were uh, being usurped by David Stern and Clay Bennett, uh, that Steve Ballmer, who you know was is still based in, in Seattle, uh, he could have bought them. 
and kept the basketball team. So people were a little down on Microsoft at that point, uh, because then a couple of years later, when the Donald Sterling uh, racial, you know, racist uh, thing came out where the NBA made Donald Sterling sell the Los Angeles Clippers. Here comes Steve Ballmer to save the day. And we were like, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. he could have done that in your hometown. You're the hometown team. And Paul Allen owns the, uh, the Seahawks. So it, it, in the sports world, it's so connected to Microsoft and Amazon and everything is surrounding that area there. Seattle's such an interesting place because of that. It's not Silicon Valley. It's Microsoft Haven. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, again, I've never had any, I've never had anyone tell me anything other than about the wonderful experiences they've had at Microsoft. So, and I've never heard anybody tell me anything nice about working at uh, Activision Blizzard. So, I mean, you know, just well, we'll the, see. Well, did you, you know, see what? the show, did you ever see the show uh, Mythic Quest? I have not on Apple TV plus it's a, it's a Rob McElhaney from it's always sunny in Philadelphia. He and a couple of people uh, created the show about the life of a video game company. Huh. And they create a game called um, uh, a mythic quest. And F Murray Abraham is a, is a novelist in the, in the game who writes the storyline for the game. And all I think about is everybody in Activision looks like that, that staff. Oh, that's like so that's, cool. that's how I've just imagined that when this deal came in, Microsoft, it came in and it's not Bill Gates, but, but it, I picture like a Bill Gates looking guy walks in and sees Rob McElhaney and the mythic quest people and says, yep, 58 billion. Let's build this. You know, look, when I think about Seattle um, uh, and I love that town so much, um, I especially think about um, seafood at Pike's Place. That's that's oh, pretty no, no, no. much when they throw think. the fish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like there's so many wonderful vendors there and so many wonderful restaurants. And look, although when you live there, you don't go there. No, it's a tourist trap, and it's I'm a, a tourist. tourist thing. And when I went there, I went there like the first weekend I lived there, and I said, okay, I, I saw this, and then I never went back for four years that I lived there. No, and by the way, <clears throat> it, I, I, I'm admittedly a, a sucker for. Look, I go to New Orleans. And I, my first stop is Cafe Dumont for chicory coffee and right. vineyards. I mean, I am, I, I, I you know, Seth, pre-COVID, uh, over 300,000 miles in the air every year for the past 20 years, uh, you know, yeah. pre-COVID. I haven't been anywhere since the thing started, but, and I, you know, there are certain little touristy places. And when you're, you know, when you're a tourist, you, you go, right? It's different, right. It's a different thing. It's like, I don't live in Seattle. So when I go there, there's some couple of Chinese restaurants I love there. There's a couple yeah, of, yeah. You know, and then there's a couple of places I just like to hang out. But anyway, back to Microsoft Activision. At the end of the day, I think it's, a, you know, if, the, if uh, DOJ lets it happen, and I, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Um, you know, there's an interesting story <clears throat> that's sort of tangent to it. Not, not related in any particular way meta got some patents granted to it last week or just just around the time that the activision uh m a uh, was was announced and the patents were for eye tracking and biometrics hmm. in a virtual world or virtual you know using using vr tools and so think about this for a minute as we evolve into you know gameplay and or just the doing of life in the metaverse, whatever that looks like, now instead of just having our keystrokes, instead of just having what we type and the data that 
describes our behaviors. So you clicked on something, you, you tapped on something, you scrolled or paused. Uh, instead of dropping cookies, Meta is going to understand what you looked at and for how long. Mm. Like This is a level of data intrusion that is just, not only are you telling me that you know what I'm doing when I'm browsing the internet, oh, wow, you spent too much time looking at Jimmy Choo's shoes or too much time looking at Prada slacks, and all of a sudden, you're you're now going to tell me that I spent too much time looking at a an ad for a you know, a, a casino in Las Vegas or something, or a trip to the Bahamas. It's like, there's, there's a level of data collection that's about to occur inside this world that's pretty spectacular. And I actually will make data collection as it stands today look like uh, child's play. So that, that caught my eye. It concerned me a little bit. I don't know that that's misplaced concern because I don't think the average person even understands the location data set that they generate every day on their phone and what gets sold, you know, to, to, to companies. And it's not about putting the right ad in front of the right person or the, what I guess you'd say the right content in front of the right person, right place, right time. Sure. That's, that's a use of that data, but that's a pretty safe use of that data. I think I'd rather see an ad uh, wanted to buy my granddaughter, some headphones, for her birthday, my, my uh, middle granddaughter is, uh, she's going to turn 11. And I thought, how fun, you know, I'll get her a set of headphones, because that's like a thing, set of wireless noise canceling headphones, so that uh, in her words, she doesn't have to listen to her annoying sister. <laughs> kind, of, kind of a funny, kind of a funny little exchange we had. <clears throat> I went looking for it. Now, this was a, this was about four or five days ago, I have not been on a website where I and I, I made the purchase. Sure. Four or five days ago, I've not been on a website in the last five days where I haven't been barraged with, uh, with you know, because the cookies were dropped as yep. I went searching the web. It, there's, these are just cookies. They have no way of, of phoning home and saying I've made the purchase. They have no way of knowing the purchase I made, right? They just, I'm going to, until those cookies time out, until the advertisers figure that enough time has passed, I'm going to start seeing, I'm going to keep seeing those ads. Uh, Shelly, my, my mother-in-law sold an apartment. I went on Zillow to see the apartment and see the listing. I now get real estate ads on Hulu Live. Right. I mean, a, it's, it's incredible how. Well, yeah. And so just for everyone to know, this is not AI. This is not, a, this is not Big Brother. This is none of that. This is a cookie got dropped on, uh, you know, on your computer. And what happens is when you go to a website, there's a, a process called header bidding. And the cookies are looked at. There are there's metadata on the website. There's metadata in the cookie. If the metadata on the website and the metadata on the cookie uh, matches, then uh, a process is initiated whereby uh, an auction is set up instantly before before the page even forms. And uh, people who have standing bids on your metadata. So the metadata might be, for example, in my case, uh, headphones, Dr. Dre Beats, uh, Edematic, Bose, Sony, all headphones uh, and earbuds. I looked at some Apple AirPods. I was just trying to see sure. what I wanted to get my granddaughter. Like, what, you know, what's a reasonable amount of money to spend? And, and nothing's too good for my granddaughter they'll tell you that i have three granddaughters and uh, you know i will spoil them rotten because that's what grandparents get to do yep. um so it wasn't that but i you know, went looking around seth it's hysterical what you, i just i'm on a website right now I went, i'm just on cnn reading some news and every other ad is for headphones right <laughs> there's no there's no ai there's no there, this is just a cookie there's no magic here it's just good old-fashioned retargeting stupid as it is 
it works brilliantly. Yeah. Right. I mean, it just works brilliantly. And I got to say that um, we are we're in a world now where people don't even understand how that works. Can you imagine how they are going to feel, how they're going to feel when their location based data in a virtual world? Oh, know. you were in Decentraland and you went into Samsung. I don't, I don't know that I want this. It's I like, don't know. Let's uh, let's uh, do this uh, virtually or not. Uh, let's 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 move on. The uh, Peloton. Oh, Peloton yeah. stock crumbled yeah. uh, because they have announced that they overshot their production value. And whereas, you know, we have supply chain issues for toilet paper, there are too many Pelotons out there. They're actually closing. They're delaying opening a Peloton factory in Ohio, uh, all because the demand is simply not there. Uh, I looked at Peloton and to be perfectly honest with you, I bought Tonal. Uh, we're not sponsored by it either so it doesn't matter but uh, i i i live for tonal i have done tonal for 61 consecutive weeks um you're looking good i gotta oh, say thank you um the peloton it was was not appealing to me it, it, it just didn't look like it was what i wanted what's your thought on peloton now and just this idea that in the marketplace overshooting your expectations there is nothing harder in the world than trying to predict a population's need for your product when you had nothing to do with the need for the product when a show is a hit the metaphor i like to use is you guys stepped on an elevator that was going up you didn't actually choose the direction. You just happened to step on the elevator at the right time. At least 25% of my consulting business, and if I'm honest, it might be as much as 50% of my consulting business. We are called in when all of a sudden, nothing's working. Marketing's not working. There's extra inventory. Velocity at retail has ground to a halt. All of the things that seem to be working perfectly weren't working. They're no longer, they're, the fight for relevance is being lost. Peloton started, they were the only game in town. And what did they do? It's extraordinary use of ordinary technology. Everyone knows what an exercise bicycle is. Seth, they've been around since the dawn of bicycles. Everybody knows what a stationary bike is. Everybody knows what a video monitor is. We've had video monitors since the advent of television. Every no, everybody knows what an exercise show in. Jack Lane in the 50s and 60s would get up and do calisthenics with you on television in the morning, not new. Feedback loops, biometric feedback loops start very early professionally. Maybe you could argue Fitbit brought them to the fore a few years back. We, you know, we're going back now a decade as the quantified self-movement starts, maybe 2011, 12, 13, somewhere in that area. All of a sudden you started to have, by, by 2013, there had to be 20 fitness bands, fitness trackers. We'll track your steps. And this idea of 10,000 steps a day is going to make you healthier, right? That We all remember that. That goes back to, to 11, 12, 13. It's 22 now. Peloton, they've got competition from rowing machines like Hydro. 
They've got competition from virtual tools like Lightboxer VR. They have competition from from Tonal, from Mirror. There have got to be 20 companies where, you know, every company in the that, that did any kind of fitness product at all, at all, anybody who made a universal gym, a Nordic track, it doesn't matter who it is, they slapped a video monitor on their device, hired some trainers, and by the way, my wife, who is more fit than anyone one-tenth of her age, works out a couple of three hours a day. Three classes a day would be minimum. Wow. She used to go to exhale, take these bar classes and these hit classes. When COVID happened, one of her instructors, the one she loved the most, a woman named Bergen Wheeler, who may be the, the most insane hit trainer, brilliant kind of class runner i've ever seen and trust me i don't do this you can tell by my boyish figure i don't do it <laughs> but every morning i wake up my wife is already in her gym clothes she's standing in front of our flat screen tv in the living room with her weights and her balance bar that she bought that i don't think cost 30 dollars from balance bars r us or whatever the you know the like ballet bar thing that the portable ballet bars that are just big oh. enough to do this kind of bar class on for stretching and she's got 40, 50 people on a on the big screen TV. And this woman, Bergen, is teaching. And there's Debbie doing her thing and, you know, sweating like a banshee and just going through the... Mo they, they, they pay on Venmo. This instructor is making more money than you can, she ever could have made teaching at a thing. And Peloton's up against that. Consumers have learned to do everything online. Every single fitness company in the world has figured out how to throw a monitor up and or do something interactively with streaming. Mm -hmm. And these guys overestimated what their market would be. They, like everybody, they fight for relevance. And so, yeah, they cut production. Their stock took an unbelievable hit. I think it's down. Let me just look really closely right now at this Today, yeah, 29% hit on their stock as of this morning when we we're recording TechStream. I'm, I'm sure it'll rebound a little bit as people, you know, go try to pick up the bargain. But, but wow. Yeah, it was big. Uh, this, is, this is a pretty nasty day for our friends at Peloton. But it shouldn't be unexpected. And look, you know, one of the things, Seth, that most people who do forecasting will never admit to or take into consideration. And I think for our listeners, it would be good to talk about for one second. Luck is real. Random, dumb luck is real. There's no way to forecast being in the right place at the right time. Sure, there are aphorisms, you know, luck is where preparation meets opportunity. Right, 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 right. Like, yeah, sure it is. Obviously, my kids are listening to this podcast. Uh, who am I kidding? My kids don't listen to this podcast. No, but you know what I'm saying? You hear the luck is where, you know, the 6P principle, Shelly, uh, you know, uh, okay, 6P principle, you know, uh, great. Uh, proper practice pr prevents piss poor performance. It's like, thank you. I, I appreciate that. At the end of the day, when I do calculations and people talk about black swan events or gray swan events, 
you can't calculate being in the right place at the right time at the right, you know, the right thing at the right moment. The aphorism that matters or the, the saying that matters is no idea is more powerful than an idea whose time has come. Peloton took, took ordinary stuff, a monitor and a stationary bike and good content and the internet and a fairly simplistic way to log on and take a payment, ordinary technology, and they put it together in an extraordinary use case and they prospered wildly. They deserved all of it. They deserve all of it. And now they're sitting there going, what happened? Well, we know what happened. Everybody that was breathing, whoever tried to exercise, figured out, wow, I can put together extraordinary use of ordinary technology. Everybody who wants to exercise figured out a way to do it at home. And now their competition isn't in any way the idea that, um, oh, wow, I, I can't get out to exercise. Although people are going back to gyms now, which, you know, can't possibly help them. The pandemic isn't over, but a lot of people are feeling like I got to go to the gym because that's where I want to go. And I can't think of a company that does what they do that doesn't have a similar product. Right. Welcome to the marketplace, folks. Right. Um, they were definitely the market leaders. Will people call their XYZ bike a Peloton forever? Yeah, I still call facial tissue Kleenex. I still call right. sheer, I still call shear strips band-aids. Band-aids. Right? <clears throat> I mean, you know, I still call my DVR a TiVo. That <laughs> literally doesn't, and I still call what we're doing now Zoom, doesn't matter what we're on. So right. I may call it a Peloton forever, but that's not going to help our friends at Peloton very much. <laughs> All right, real quick. Um, similar stock story, um, but a weirder storyline, uh, Netflix. Uh, plummeted 24% uh, after their fourth quarter earnings showed that they were disappointed, it, disappointed with their uh, subscriber additions. The combo effect, which is what alerted me, um, Netflix is still the king. You know, the, the analogy is Netflix is to the NFL what Major League Soccer is to these other uh, streaming services. But the gap is narrowing. And Disney stock, ESP, uh, you know, ESPN Plus, uh, Roku, AT&T, uh, all those stocks fell uh, after the Netflix report. What was your analysis? Uh, Is it similar to, to Peloton? So, no, it's not. And... Once again, I will say to all of our listeners, this is not financial advice. I am not a licensed financial advisor. This is for your information and entertainment only. The stock market is a very risky place, as is the crypto market. And if you plan to play, please seek the advice of a licensed financial professional who can guide you and risk their own license. Sue them, not me. <clears throat> Talk to them, not me. Now, Netflix, Seth, different from Peloton. Peloton is a company that said, we're making a bunch of money here. Look how profitable we are. We are a super profitable company. We're making money hand over fist. You can expect us to make money. We're going to keep making money. We're going to sell more Pelotons. Pelotons are awesome. That, that was, that's their story. It's been their story. Netflix is a company that talks about growth, growth, and growth, and growth. Netflix spends more money on content than Hollywood has ever seen any organization ever spend on content. It is the gift that keeps on giving. 
where Blockbuster used to write a gigantic check to the industry every September, and it was monstrous. And every executive knew their year was going to be made, fiscal or otherwise, fiscal or calendar, by the magnificence, literal magnificence of the size of the check that was going to come in from Blockbuster. Netflix took their place when Blockbuster went away. And Netflix's story to the street from day one, Reed Hastings has said, without hesitation, we are a growth company. We will grow more, more, more subscribers, more, more, more subscribers. Well, in the last report, they reported 8.3 million new net paid subscribers. That was in their Q4, but they had forecast 8.5 million. Oops. Now, <clears throat> this is a problem because when you promise Wall Street that the only way they should, when you tell Wall Street, the only way they should judge you is by growth. Mm -hmm. And the analysts all say, well, we don't know if they're going to continue to grow and they don't grow. No one in the universe should be su surprised when a growth company doesn't grow and their stock gets cr crushed. That's what happens. So here's what you need to do. Again, not financial advice. You will watch Netflix over the next few quarters and you will see what this is. Is this a trend? Or because by the way, Seth, you and I have discussed this. You now have in no particular order, Disney Plus, Paramount Plus, Apple TV Plus, HBO Max, Discovery Plus. I mean, there are enough streaming services for you and I to actually not be able to name them all, not in a row, not in any order. Netflix was the only game in town, and now there are other things to look at. Apple's got Boba Fett going right now. They had Mando. Disney's got Disney. all Marvel stuff. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Disney yeah. has, uh, you know, the, the whole Star Wars catalog. You've got um, uh, Apple out there with uh, some good originals. You've got Paramount with all the Star Trek franchise. You've got HBO Max putting out all their first run movies, good, bad, or indifferent. We may not like them, but they did. So at the end of the day, there's tons of content out there that, you know, people have invested billions with a B. Netflix has invested billions with a B. Is it enough to sustain growth? Also, Netflix has a little different model. The Disney guys have the Disney catalog. They keep making movies. They make movies. They make movies and They'll have theatrical releases and we haven't seen very many Netflix movies and theatrical releases and theatrical releases will come back as COVID abates. So Disney's got a little better model than Netflix does. Disney's got a model where they'll put stuff out in the theaters, then it'll get its way to Disney plus Netflix. They have one model and one model only please pay us money and stay. The same model that HBO had when HBO was just a good old fashioned HBO you used to have to pony up about $80 worth of basic cable money before you'd even be offered HBO and then it was uh, and back then it was somewhere between nine and $15 a month, depending on the package it's still, you know, HBO Max is still up in that number, but in a in a world where Netflix stands on its own where the business model is please don't churn out please don't churn out please don't churn out please subscribe, please subscribe, please subscribe. They are a money pit. They just are going to spend and spend and spend and spend. And remember, Seth, once you sell to Netflix as a creator, whatever they pay you is all you're ever making, ever. 
there's no theatrical release there's no airline release there's no there's no money coming in from the broadcast television industry you you that's the window the window is netflix so there's a different business netflix has made its bed they said we're going to grow they didn't grow they're going to pay the price for that the share price certainly did let's if we are students of the art let's let's watch for the next couple quarters and see if netflix turns this around if this is just a anomaly or are we going to lose another two and a half million subscribers next next month next quarter and another two and a half million after that and that that's gonna by the way also don't discount you know the pluto tvs of the world which are free oh uh, to be uh Roku, there's all there's no end to the things you can subscribe to that don't cost you any money. No, no end to the things you can subscribe to that do cost you money. So, yeah, Netflix is in it's the same in a weird way. You're right, it, more than right. They do have a little bit of the Peloton problem in that there's just more competition and more. So, how many dollars do you have? And then, Seth, the last thing I'll say on this subject, and it, you can't get around this no matter how hard you try. We are in the platinum age of television. There is more more great stuff on video than there's ever been since you and I were born. Oh, I mean, it's, it's amazing what you, there is to watch. But you know what there isn't any more of? Time in the day. <laughs> like I still is only 24 hours a day. I need to work for, call it work for eight, hang out for eight and sleep for eight. And that's not right, but because I work for 20 and I sleep for four, but per, a normal person, you know, there's eight hours of work. There's some travel time and hang out with your family. And then there's go nighty nighty. So we're not manufacturing any more hours in the day. And yet there's more great content to watch than ever at a certain point something's got to give we're not manufacturing more time in our day so the amount the quality level the personalization the customization the relevance to seth versus the relevance to shelly that that's got to be taken into consideration and and i got to tell you that is not an easy battle to win no um you know i i think the loser of all of this is cable still yes you know that People have said, you know, when does the streaming bubble burst? Tell me when cable's dead and then we'll get back to you. Like that to me is cable dies first. And then when cable dies, and I don't know that cable dies in our lifetime. You know, we've, we've done podcasts on that. Not, not anytime soon. And so, certainly not till football goes away. Nonetheless, if you have a Peloton, keep riding. If you don't have a Peloton, don't worry. There's plenty of them in demand. <laughs> They're in stock for immediate delivery. (laughs) That's Shelly Palmer. I'm Seth Everett. We'll see you. This is Texas.